0: Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, or Dennis Maller, interviews artists and entertainers about their day jobs, and we've finally gotten away from comedians to interview a musician. Look, I'm a comedian. I'm surrounded by comedians. It's just the way it is. I want to talk to more artists especially musicians, which I have a lot of friends who are musicians as well. It just doesn't always work out. But today it worked out. We are talking to good friend and musician and world traveler Terrence Reeves. In fact, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about, is him and his wife traveling the world in the middle of a pandemic. Well, they started uh, in the middle of their travel. A pandemic happened. So... That is what we want to talk about. Uh, we, we do some tech talk about music and, and some of the stuff that he does because he is actually in, uh, not just a musician, but a producer. And he still had to do his job as a producer while traveling the world, um, you know, the whole other hemisphere of the world than where we are and how he had to do his work, how he had to do his job while traveling in a backpack throughout India, Asia, Australia, and a whole bunch of other places, which you'll hear him talk about. Uh, on this podcast, it was nice having Terrence on. Terrence, I we're we're, we're going to go through it in the podcast. So why am I going to tell you now how him and I met? But uh, I am fortunate to have him as a friend because him and Andrew, his co-host, who used to run the open mic jams at uh, Smoky Joe's, Terry O'Reilly's, and Bill's Pizzeria uh, in Newton, there uh, were some of my favorite places to go and do comedies. He'll work on stuff. It was my actual comedy gym. Now you may look at me and go, Dennis, maybe you should hit a real gym. Shut up. We don't need that kind of negativity here, right? I'm barely holding everything together during this goddamn quarantine. I'm telling you what, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know that I spent, uh, you know, in the latter part of 2018, I was fired after 15 years from iHeartRadio, a company I worked for for 15 years, and was the defining Factor of my life was working radio. And then I spent the next uh, over a year, almost a year and a half as a full time entertainer, comedian, actor and freelance podcast producer and recordist. And uh, I hadn't talked about this and I don't even really talk about it uh, online. But, uh, you know, I in November, uh, I, Yeah. November of, of 2019, I took a job back in an office, did not expect to take the job, did not expect to get the job kind of just like two, three click button application through an email that I got about it. And then they called me, I interviewed and they gave me a job and then I was like, Oh, I guess I'm going back to work. And it was great for the most part. It was nice to be in an environment. It was nice making money and legitimate, like regular money, uh, because that had been missing for a long time from my life there. Uh, I mean, I was doing fine, but I could have been doing better. Uh, but anyway, so I took the job and now I've been furloughed since April and I have nothing else to do until I go back to my job, hopefully in October, but it's looking more likely it won't be till 2021. So I really should be motivating myself, by the way, uh, to do more podcasts and interview more people because I have the time and the energy to do Well, I don't have the energy. That's the problem that I'm having. Uh, and that's what this conversation is about. No, uh, th- this conversation, not me and Terrence, him and I had a. I want to say wonderful conversation about traveling the world, but it is uh, anxiety-inducing listening to the troubles that him and his wife Danielle had while they were on the, the road. Um, but this is where I'm at. So anyone who's been uh, – thank you to those who have been messaging me and saying positive things and sharing what few episodes I do put out uh, because your fanship, your, fr- your friend, friend, your friendliness, your friendship, that's a word uh, is what's keeping me motivated to do this, uh, at times. So I need that, uh, because everything is a terrible, awful hellscape and we're all just cogs in the machine of insanity of the world that we're in right now between a pandemic and election season, uh, black lives matter, uh, civil and racial war. That is, uh, steaming up over across the country why am i bringing these things up you come here not to hear about these things but to listen to inter- interesting conversations with interesting people and this interesting conversation with a very interesting person uh is also anxiety inducing so <laughs> trigger warning there there uh you know i'll alleviate any worries that you may have listening to terrence and uh, how everything went between him and his wife while they were traveling the world they made it back to america fine so spoiler alert they're alive and healthy Uh, living back in the States, back in Massachusetts. Uh, So that's a real big spoiler, I guess. But that will ease any concerns you have whether something um, went horribly wrong or the things that you're hearing about going wrong just get increasingly worse and worse and worse to a boil over point. Don't worry, they're fine. So knowing that, please enjoy my conversation with musician, producer, and world traveler, Terrence Reeves. But so yeah, the reason why I use the Squadcast thing just to to, to nerd out on 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 tech with you. From yeah, just to nerd out yeah. here. Is what this does is it records both our conversations locally and then uploads it to the cloud for me to download. So I don't get any of that like weird wobbly internet fucking static bullshit.
1: That's super cool. Yeah, so it's gonna send you the audio file of me talking separately. Yep,
0: and it's recorded right on your device, so it doesn't even go through the internet at all. Until after
1: ah, that's now. why I had to consent to being yes. recorded.
0: <laughs> <I'm> glad, yes, <laughs> um, if you didn't know, for this podcast to happen, you will have to be recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, man, it is uh, so good to talk to you, Terrence, because, like I said, when we messaged each other, it's been almost a year since we've seen each other. But before we explain why it's been a year, let's let's uh, let's go farther back and and rehash how we met because not only are you a huge yeah. not, you know, you're uh, you're a musician uh, which means you're a super talented person so of course I want to be friends with talented people but you're also
1: that's nice to be the what, same.
0: you're also one of the biggest uh, supporters of the local Boston comedy scene because when we met um, we met when you were hosting a music comedy poetry everything open mic at um Smoky Joe's in Brighton
1: smoking joe's Joe's. in brighton i can never remember if
0: it's smoky joe's or smoking but it's smoking joe's yeah Uh, and the only reason and by the way the reason i can't remember is not because i went there uh because i have bad memory it's because i didn't get to go there a lot because i went there for one week the uh you got it's already been established and going for a while i went for the first time and then the next day you guys found out that your show was being canceled (laughs)
1: <laughs> they closed the bar they uh, lost their funding and everything yeah it was a uh, wild yeah, i time. went
0: there one week did comedy loved it i talked to you and andrew like i messaged you he's like hey thanks for having me like on the next day i messaged you guys and then you are like yeah we just found out we're closing so next week's gonna be the last week so you should better come if you want to continue <laughs> enjoy it. and of course what happens i go i start telling jokes and one of the other musicians of the thing starts heckling me because I told the same jokes as the week before, so I told him, ah, "I wish your parents wrapped it up so you weren't here." And
1: oh wow, <laughs> and,
0: and, 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 uh, that was the thing. Like you and Andrew, uh, you and your your co-host at the time, Andrew, came back after after my son apologized. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry that that guy was a dick. I'm like, I don't fucking care, man. I got a good fucking laugh out of it.
1: Right, right, and now, right. Of course, yeah, that was that was man. That was close to. That's close to 10 years yeah. now, 10 years ago now, like maybe that,
0: about seven or eight years ago, six years. I mean, I don't know. I can't even keep track anymore. We're in yeah. I feel wow. like I'm in the seventh year of 2020 anyway. So <laughs> it's just been one long, yeah. long decade. <laughs>
1: Yeah, where are you now, by the way? Do you feel comfortable disclosing I mean, that? I I'm or in or Austin, like, is which that... is
0: right down the street. That's one of the things I liked most about smoking jesuit It was like, I could walk to it. It was right down the street from me. So I'm still in Austin yeah. in that area um, because, you know, why move anywhere? Uh, like, my, I, I don't know about you and, and, and your your family, but I have family that lives out of, you know, I'm from Baltimore originally, you know that. Uh, and my family keeps going, yep. oh, why don't you come visit while you're furloughed? I'm like, I'm not getting on a disease-ridden plane. To bring coronavirus to my sixty-four-year-old mother.
1: I know. That's oh my gosh, that's like my biggest nightmare is not even myself getting it, even though obviously that is a concern, but unknowingly caring and giving it to somebody else. That'd be the worst. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and to go back to where we met, we you know we we became very good friends from uh the, the next open mic, which was very much similar, was music, comedy, um, and poetry and everything was at uh Terry O'Reilly's, and then of course that followed into Bill's uh, pizzeria and you know, I I feel like I watched your growth as a host over those years. Because you <laughs> like you and Andrew are both musicians. You know, you I th- yep. I think uh real quick, just talk about how the two of you came together because it's not like you guys were lifelong friends. You weren't bandmates, you were just two two musicians that just hey, do you wanna host a thing together?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it kinda actually started at Smokin' Joe's where we were um, just regularly attending, and when we were regularly attending, it was in one of the open mics where you know maybe four people would show up or five people on a good night, and so yeah, we were talking um, or we were um, just attending regularly, and the owners wanted to get a new host for the open mic because they felt like the current host wasn't you know drawing enough traction or something like that. I don't, actually I don't <laughs> know why. Um, I shouldn't I shouldn't speculate because I didn't make a decision. Um, so they asked another one of our friends, I don't know if you remember Ben Bullock too, but they asked Ben to host and Ben was said, well, if I'm doing it, I can't do it alone. Like, Terrence, Andrew, and this other guy, Jake, like, come here just as much as me and, like, I don't really know how to host an open mic night and I feel like if we split the difference, then we'll be a lot better off kind of a thing. Or at least that was the idea. So um, they asked... Ben to host and Ben in turn asked us to uh, host with him and uh, we kind of started a trio of things there and then that restaurant closed and then we moved to like you said Terry O'Reilly's and that's where Andrew and I um, really kind of came into our own Ben kind of left the scene moved uh, across town moved across the country and then yeah so the long story short, I'm trying to keep it short, but uh, that's the full context: is that we met because somebody asked us to host the original Smoke and Joe's open mic night, and then we just kept finding new homes after that.
0: Yeah, and what was great was watching the two of you like start learning how to host both an open mic and with a co-host, and by the end of it, like it was you guys almost became like a comedy act. Like you knew how to play off each other. You knew what the other one would say or react to. Like you guys just became this great, well-oiled machine. And it was wonderful to watch. Like you guys stumble and just awkwardly try to set each other up for a joke. I'm like, I was, I meant, I thought you were going to say this. Oh no, I didn't get that at all. Anyway, your next, your next performer is dot, dot, dot. (laughs) So it was fun to watch you and Andrew. I like, was there any point where you guys like maybe we should practice some kind of banter, or was it just let's just keep working out no, it, or, uh, naturally talking to each other?
1: I I wish there was. I think that um, to give Andrew credit, he's one of the funniest dudes that um, I have talked to, and he's very very creative in terms of just how he thinks about things and how he um, you know expresses those things. So. I feel like he was often the genesis of any kind of bit idea. And then it was all, I always was just about, okay, well, let me find the way to complement that. And uh, most of the bits that we did or started to come up with at all were his ideas that I was just like, okay, cool. I think I get where this is going. Let me jump on it. Um, So, no, there was no practice. There was no... Um, no classes or anything. It was all trial and error and plenty of error. On the-
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, trust me. I've tried co-hosting things with people and it just, it, like I take over entirely too much of the hosting duties. Uh, and like Jesse, you know, you, Jesse miles, my old roommate and I, we, we course, did the yeah. backyard comedy shows and we, we kept trying to to do just off the cuff banter because when we talk and joke around, it works great. doesn't work great when right. we're on microphones in front of people. <laughs>
1: Wow, yeah, and then yeah, I, yeah, It's so different once there's an I audience I forced there.
0: him and I to sit down and write a bit, and then he kind of was failing on the writing part, so I just wrote a script for both of us using both our jokes. <laughs> just because I know we both know our, our routine so well, so I just wrote a script and forced us to memorize it, which we never memorized.
1: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we're doing
0: it in front of people, and now we're trying to ad-lib something we were supposed to memorize, and it just was 10 times worse
1: yeah that's yes. way worse it's way better to just be like oh this is entirely improv and then it be shitty than for it to supposedly supposed to be some kind of feed line that never punches
0: <laughs> yeah and it was like then i if one of us didn't do the setup verbatim which then just ruined the next joke and it just it snowballed out of control yeah i know uh, there i think yeah. there was a point where we were even actually just reading off our phones at each other like this is we're now that now we're just letting everybody see the secret sauce that is uh, apparently just floor and spit is what the secret sauce is here.
1: <laughs> yeah, the sauce is not necessarily. There's no tomatoes <laughs> in that sauce. It's really just. <laughs> <laughs> so force. to
0: watch anyone. Uh, so water. yeah, to watch anyone. Uh, to watch two people naturally gravitate into a good hosting duo is. I know firsthand how difficult that is. And I want to make sure I let you guys know how much I appreciate watching it and how great you guys did at it.
1: Thanks. I watched an old video, um, not to sound too self-deprecating, but I watched an old video that somebody shared of like their first time at Terry O'Reilly's recently. And uh, I was so, I I, I had to cringe at (laughs) like how hard I was trying to (laughs) host. Um, and I was just forcing it so hard. Maybe it was just that night, but then like I just remember feeling that way and trying to get my words across. And um, so I appreciate that uh, it, it it had any value at all, <laughs> other than the fact that there was a room where people could play, which I think was the big big draw. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, th- and that uh, now that's since we talked, talk, you know, uh, we don't get to see each other anymore because you no longer ho- well because of covid but more importantly uh your guys last uh open mic at bill's pizzeria in newton um you guys just dis- shout those bills. great pizzeria uh could use more air conditioning but good pizzeria <laughs> um and very supportive which god bless any place that is supportive of live art and, and especially comedy like it's easy to support music yep. it's really hard to support comedy sometimes and Believe you me, I don't make it easy to support comedy. Sometimes the way I get on stage, and you know that. What <laughs> uh, God bless the place, but really, uh, you guys decided um, instead of you know being canceled or a place closing or losing a venue. You and Andrew made the decision to take a break, close the show because Andrew wanted to focus more on some of his uh, solo performing um, gigs, and you, uh, which is why we haven't seen each other. Uh, you and your 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 beautiful bride decided that instead of a honeymoon, you guys were going to tour the world together.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. That's you know, right. when
0: you and Danielle made what's, what was the conversation between you and Danielle to make that decision to give up everything and just become transient, uh, uh, musicians.
1: Yeah. Good question. Thanks for asking. And, um, RIP to the open mic jam, um, and love to all the people. Um, and one thing I just want to say about open mics before I go into the travel side of things is that um, I've always believed that people, um, like what Andrew and I did wasn't actually all that special. Um, we just kept trying and uh, anybody could fill our place and do that job that we did. Um, it's really just a matter of having gear being and being open and then um, letting people show up to do their thing and being supportive of that, especially when they mm. fail Um, because trust me there's a lot of failures
0: uh, at these things me me a big culprit of a lot of it uh (laughs) yeah
1: because i will say this i say this all the time about
0: terrier rises but that was that was one of the most comfortable places that i would go like that was my gym i would go up with friends present uh, with just a premise and riff and riff and force myself into finding the joke and finding the funny and i can only do that in such a great supportive environment that you guys created like you guys work to Thanks. curate a good audience of li- people that listen and paid attention. And, you know, you know both of you are, are, are endlessly charming, which everyone wants to like. Everyone wants to like you guys. Um, so when you're out there being likable Thanks. and are likable, people are going to listen. And, you know, you're saying and if anyone could go out and do hosting an open mic, but only certain people can do it well. And you guys did it exceptionally well.
1: Thank you for saying that. I guess what I mean to say, though, is that um, there wasn't necessarily any kind of formula other than to just show up and try to be nice to people. and um, get. We wanted a venue when we started to share our stuff, and we realized that's all anybody else wanted to do. So that's what we were trying to curate, um, if, if anything was curated. So if uh, there's anybody listening to this now, and Dennis, uh, maybe even you, Uh, I hope that maybe somebody else will pick up the torch and start their own version of an open mic where they can create a supportive environment where it's really all about the people that show up and it's never really about you. Um, So anyways, to get back into uh, the traveling thing, um, we Danielle basically, this was Danielle's dream, and that's the short version is that when when she and I started dating, she told me, hey, uh, I have a dream to travel and um it's going to be pretty expensive but um i would like to do it together if you think that sounds fun and admittedly i didn't think that sounded fun (laughs) and uh i was like uh i don't know i I grew up really not I, i grew up really poor so traveling wasn't really ever part of my um view of what i thought was possible so Yeah, she kind of exposed me to the idea and we started saving our pennies and um, we were both working full-time and trying to not spend too much on anything outside of that, of living. And then after about three years, we had enough money and we were kind of starting to talk about it and go get more serious about it. But we were also thinking, well, maybe we should keep saving our money and actually buy a house. Um, And so we were kind of up in the air around that. So we got married last June and um no sorry two junes ago i guess now it's august wow Ooh, COVID. <laughs> okay so um so we got married june 2019 and um we started looking into seriously what would it take for us to do this you know where would we go those kind of things and we realized like oh the only thing we really have holding us down from going on this trip at all is our jobs because our lease is about to expire? Our we don't have any pets. We don't have kids. We don't have a mortgage. You know, so no real commitments at all. And, and at the time, so uh, real quick r- though,
0: at the time, what were your jobs? Because I know Danielle teaches music, but I don't think it was that wasn't her full time work at the time, was it?
1: Yes, Danielle um, is a now a, a licensed mental health counselor. She's a psychotherapist. And, um, I was working in, uh, startup tech in customer service. Um, and so, yeah, things were going good for us financially then. And so we were, we'd saved up the money and so then we looked at what it would take to do it and we realized like, oh, not only could we financially afford that because we'd kind of been saving up, but also we don't have anything tying us down. So if we're going to do it, like now's really the time, you know, we don't have any real things to hold us locally so then we just picked a date further out so we could kind of prepare um one of the bigger decisions and bigger things that we had to do was communicate to andrew like hey we want to do this like what do you want to do about the open mic Um, that was like a big big conversation um and that's andrew was like you know if you guys are doing that like maybe this is an opportunity for me to kind of slow down too um, and then that's what we did. So we went and traveled for, we were, our goal was originally to travel for six months and we got four months in and then, um, I'm sure we'll get more into detail, but we only got four, well, before that, was, four months in. You know,
0: how did you, was there any fear of I'm about to quit my job? I'm about to go traveling the world without an income. Was that a fear that you had to open up about and, and, relate to Danielle and, mm-hmm. like, did you guys have to talk yourselves through that kind of fear? Because right now that gives it just that thought process gives me anxiety alone. the fact I know people who move to other towns without a job. And I'm like, what are you insane? You're going to be homeless. What happens? <laughs> and I can't imagine yeah. going through that kind of, uh, like I, I, it would take so much convincing question. of my own self to be able to do something like that. Is that, Something you two had to go through and talk each other through, or was it like, no, this is the plan. And we're gonna do this. Did you have that kind of confidence?
1: That's a great question. Thanks for asking. Um, I feel like it's there are two parts to it. Um, one is this was the biggest thing, and this is probably the most real answer, is that this was Danielle's dream. You know, my dream is to be a full-time producer and mixer and um, you know, helping people with audio and those kind of things and, um, doing whatever I can to make that happen and make enough money doing that. Um, and when I realized that Danielle's dream was to travel for many months, do some long term travel and like, it's the thing she was most passionate about. It was kind of the next thing on her bucket list of items. Um, I was like, oh, well, if this is the, that important to you, I know how I feel about producing and mixing and how badly I wanna do that. So if this is that important to you, like heck yes, we're gonna do this together then. So then it was really just about figuring out for me, what do I need to retain some normalcy when I am going to be living out of a backpack? And that was the real struggle for me is to try to figure those kind of things out and had good conversations with my therapist about uh, you know, what, those, what that life looks like. But I, so I guess to answer your question more directly, no, I didn't I don't think I had the fears of like, what am I going to do? I don't have a job because Danielle had, this was her dream. And so she had done so many calculations to figure out, okay, this is what it would cost to, when we get to New Zealand and like, these are places we could stay and all those kind of things. So I feel like the financial side of things, um, because she was so passionate about it, she'd worked out.
0: And then for before we talk about the, the actual journey, because obviously something like this, you know, Danielle's been prepping for this for her entire life, other than saving yeah. money and other than the conversations that you had to have with people in your life saying, hey, I'm going to disappear for half a year to a year or whatever it was, it, the plan was supposed to be. What preparation did you have to do? Because I know one of them was you had to figure out how you would, you know, you're already becoming a music producer. You're already working with friends and other musicians and mixing and mastering a lot of people's stuff. And you had to have that conversation of, uh, you know, I saw it online where you're like, Hey, should I go laptop or should I, uh, you know, is there something else I can do to bring my work along with me other than a laptop? So, I'd love to hear, because I love gear and tech and that kind of talk. So I want you, I know what this result was, but I want you to go through it because I love hearing about that stuff. But uh, other than that, what other preparations did you, did you and Daniel have to go into to be able to do this trip and still maintain what you set out to do with your lives?
1: Wow. Yeah. So um, I'll get into the, latter part I think first because it's a little bit easier to understand and probably a bit more interesting to general to most people um then the yeah. gear talk to you <laughs> and I can just nerd out for a second. But um yeah the um the things we had to do is um like basically build a general itinerary of these are all the countries we want to go and then make a list of okay If i want to go to those countries do i need a visa or if do they have a relationship with america where um you don't need a visa and you can just kind of show up and then they'll let you in and then you know keep going from there a lot of places we were planning to go we needed to get shots or it was a good idea to get some immunizations um controversial (laughs) um (laughs) uh so lots of trips to a travel doctor. I don't know if that's the technical title. I forget the, um, actual title, but somebody who specializes in, okay, if you're going to these areas, you need these kinds of shots and that kind of thing. So he loaded me up across a couple of trips, um, with different kinds of immunizations, which was shot, fun, shot, but shot, also- shot, shot, shots, shots, shots. shot, <laughs> <It was> like- <laughs> Uh, I walked in there one time and slapped my arm and went, <laughs> load me up, Doc, and he laughed.
0: Oh, I love, I, I I run into so few people that are, are like me that does not have a fear in needles, and it's so delightful to hear somebody just go, stick it in me, Doc, let's get this over with. I love it.
1: Yeah, I was actively afraid, but I knew I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, So it, it was a lot of that, and then... I guess the conversations were just about what sounded cool or like if we went to New Zealand, where would we, what would I want to see? What would she want to see? You know, those kind of things.
0: And also you and Daniel are both musicians. Like what, what preparation, you know, did you have, did you have, like I used to do back when I was a a kid in the Boy Scouts up until my early twenties, I was a backpacker and I would look at all my gear and go, all right, well, I'm going to live in the woods on my feet for two weeks. What can I, what, what, what do I get rid of? You know? And
1: yeah, as yeah. a
0: music, like I picked up the ukulele uh, since quarantine started and I've been playing it and I realize how easy this thing is to travel with. Cause it's tiny, it's teeny weeny. It's so small, mm-hmm. but you know, you play piano and you play guitar and, 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 and Did you have to go, oh, am I going to go six months without a guitar? Was that a thought that you had to go through? Is there a way that you had to prep to take a guitar or like a small keyboard with you? Did you look at iPhone apps just like, oh, this is a piano app. This (laughs) is what I'm going to have to play on just to satisfy my attempt to play. What was that conversation between two musicians who are about to go on the road as not musicians? And of course, you still did your producing job.
1: Yeah, I did some mixing while we were gone. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like in terms of gear that we brought with us, um it was pretty minimal. I made a fake laptop setup for myself to be able to mix. Um and so what I did is I I bought a Mac mini and then I bought a like maybe 7-inch monitor that is designed for gaming like in a car that you would like put on the back seat of um Headrest. on the back of the head of the back seat yeah, headrest. It had an HDMI hookup, and so I run the Mac Mini to that for screen, and then just plugged in a set of decent headphones into the Mac Mini. Um, I originally was going to bring my Apollo Twin, which is like one of my prized gear possessions, um, even though I try not to be too materialistic, but um, it's probably one of my favorite things to work with. And what is use. an Apollo Twin? Yeah. Um, Apollo Twin is an interface, um, but it's a desktop interface, and it's about the size of a Mac Mini um, with a little bit more height onto it. And um, if you haven't used or seen one in recording, I re- highly recommend it. Um, it's basically the cleanest mic pre that I've heard that oh, doesn't yeah. have like any any color on it. And it also allows you to run uh, universal audio plugins, which is like the other big thing to nerd out about mixing-wise, is just that when you're processing audio, then uh, their their proprietary plugins, you need to plug in one of their interfaces or ex, you know some kind of outboard gear that's theirs as well. So I wanted to bring that, but I um, had to say no to that. And so then it was just my Mac Mini, a little seven-inch monitor, and a set of headphones. And then like, Hard drives, mouse, key, uh, keyboard for Hot like um, not a yeah 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 like a Mac Mac keyboard and yeah it's kind it's it was kind of janky um <laughs> in terms of aesthetics and how it looked and I think a lot of people could argue like oh wouldn't you rather just have a laptop um and in hindsight I think maybe I would have but the only thing that I really liked about the Mac Mini was that. I felt like I could take it to pretty much any studio or any other place in the future and plug it in to a TV or anything else versus if I have a laptop you kind of have to use the laptop screen and if you're in a studio and there's a big Neve mixing board there or something like that like I don't really want to plug a laptop into something um when I could be using the board yeah. <laughs> um so I'd rather have something that just is running that's small and portable and easy. Um, and that was basically kind of the only idea was just that. Um, it seemed like in the future, I was going to have a little bit more flexibility and a little bit more. It would be a little bit easier to hide, I guess, really. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of all the gear that I brought. And we, I did have to come to terms with, okay, I'm not going to be bringing uh, even a microphone um, I thought about trying to pack a microphone, uh, but there just wasn't enough space in my bag. I packed everything into one bag, so I had obviously all like a couple of different T-shirts and a pair of shorts, a pair of pants, and you know those kind of things. Oh yeah, the clothing, obviously, yeah. But uh, I, it fit into a backpack that is more gear talk, but this is more for the travel heads, I suppose. Um, there's a company called Tortuga that makes um, suitcase style backpacks and they're just awesome. They've got like a, the exterior is made from the same material that they make sales out of and a sweet backpack, really easy to pack. And uh, I packed everything that we needed into one of their backpacks and I um, loved it a lot. And I guess that's it. I didn't really bring that much else. It was just just the little tiny mobile rig so I could mix, um, and if I needed to produce anything, it was going to be MIDI out of a out of a keyboard.
0: Now, uh, when you say keyboard, do you mean a MIDI keyboard, like?
1: Uh... No, not even a MIDI controller. Literally, just the um, computer so... keyboard. Okay, yeah, so,
0: like, the computer keyboard, can you play musical notes from that?
1: There is a function, at least in Logic, there is. Um, You can turn your computer keyboard into a MIDI controller, um, and if you loop something enough, you can get the timing down where the delay between the computer keyboard and the DAW itself, um, you can actually kind of compensate for it and then play using that. Oh, wow,
0: See, yeah, that's that's my non music you know i've m- all my friends are musicians i've worked in the radio industry i worked for record labels i like to consider myself a musician cuz i played drums very poorly for a long time and now i'm trying to learn the ukulele um uh, and so i always try to are consider myself a musician of sorts or like a, uh, a at least musician adjacent uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> and but i didn't know you I could, think you can call yourself a musician you play yeah you but know, not good whether well. it's the quality that you want you maybe your taste is higher than your yes, ability no, yes but, my
0: my my reach is uh my uh reach is much farther than my grasp uh when it comes to music yeah. technicalities um but it, so i didn't even know that you could just play. like i almost don't even know how like i'm looking at a just a logic tech keyboard here in my studio and i'm I don't even yeah. know how I would use this as a. I mean,
1: yeah, like the. So if you're looking at it, the letter A is um the note C, and then the letter W is C okay, sharp. So that would be the, and the then black the letter X e. okay. is D, and then the letter E is D sharp. D is obviously then E, which is weird to say <laughs> out loud, but um if you're familiar with the yeah, piano, bit, yeah. obviously. Oh, the, and then it starts to get weird. R is the record button in Logic, so they don't use that. So then T becomes the next black key. Um, and then F is like the actual note F. And then you can switch octaves. There's a button to switch octaves between it too. So if you lay out what you want and you can play it there, and then you can just, since it's MIDI, obviously you can just drag and drop everything. Yeah.
0: Uh, wow. Work. See, that's that's fascinating uh, because uh, my my older brother and younger sister both, took piano lessons when i tried to take guitar lessons when i was a you know teenager um and obviously i sucked at it so i gave up uh but <laughs> the, you know my
1: my that's what we do when yeah young, well right? the, you know i don't want to be i'm not bad i'm i'm not good at this thing and i wanted to be so <laughs> right. i give up so
0: but it, you know they always talked about how much better typist they would be than me because they learned piano and i'm like so i worked mm. growing up I worked really hard. I also grew up in the day of AOL chat room, so I spent all night, every night, just talking to strangers on the internet. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, I was warned about.
1: That explains a lot. Uh,
0: (laughs) explains explains why I'm so weird and friendly at the same time. But (laughs) uh, so I would just so I could be a better typist than them. And I'm like, I don't need piano lessons to be a typist. Look how many words I can type: clack clack clack, click click clack. (laughs) So,
1: I sorry, I'm gonna interrupt (laughs) you just to say that I love the idea. That the reason you were spending time in AOL chat rooms wasn't because you were lonely or any emotional thing at all. It was because out of a sense of competition <laughs> with your siblings, well, that like, "Oh fuck you! I'm gonna prove these fuckers those- wrong." <laughs> Obviously, I know that there's more the than. Two- that, but then- like- Those
0: those Venn diagrams are just one circle. It's loneliness (laughs) and
1: the right to prove
0: that I can be a better, a better uh, digit manipulator on a keyboard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not to like make fun of your little self. That was probably just trying to get some. No, make fun of my little self because
0: my first AOL chat name was Pez X Plaid because I was a punk rocker who loved Pez candy and plaid clothing.
1: (laughs) That is now you know why I was bullied. That is. Adorable. That's a, like, that's really like, if I met that person in a chat room right now, it'd be like, wow, you seem really into that. Like, let's talk about that. The word unique
0: man. came up a lot growing up. <laughs> when you factor, pla- you know, the fact that I wore two different colored plaid shirts at- going to school, affinity for pez candy, and then throw in the fact I was the only kid at my school that watched Monty Python, it's totally understandable why I was bullied every day. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so that's interesting that, um, yeah, like, as, you know, you are somebody who plays a keyboard is I, I'm sure you already before this trip had gotten used to using a keyboard as a MIDI and playing. Um, but how hard is that yeah. mental transition from piano player to MIDI Mac keyboard?
1: Oh, yeah. My finger drumming is not good um, <laughs> okay. at all. So there at is all. a learning curve. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I watch those guys on Instagram and YouTube and whatever that are just like just uh, got an MPC and they're just like going crazy on the MPC pads. Um, I cannot do that. I cannot do that at all. My timing is terrible. If I if you handed me two drumsticks and then I could hit those pads, I would probably do a lot better. But for whatever reason, just like just fingers, I'm not that great. So yeah, it's kind of funny where um, I feel like the there is a learning curve, but I feel like the um, because it, again because it's MIDI, I can just go in and like, oh, okay. I don't. I try not to quantize things if I can avoid it, or I quantize certain things. But there's a lot of things that I try not to quantize, and so just knowing what things need to stay unquantized and then kind of compensating for yeah. that.
0: And it's 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 not ideal, but it's a necessity that you have to be able to. Do. And of course, when you're doing recording with digital and everything nowadays you can, if you mess up, you're not losing a foot of magnetic tape that you have to redo.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I keep up with, or I try to keep up with some of the people that work exclusively in tape and things like that. And that's another dream of mine is to uh, intern at a studio that, only, or with an engineer that only works in tape, um, is to just be able to- understand. As
0: somebody who cut, recorded and edited audio tape just like one spool for radio take that dream back because it is not fun
1: (laughs) no it doesn't look fun i think the thing that's really interesting to me is is it seems like a really good skill to being able to get it right the first time (laughs) you know like every single time it's costing you money so it's either you're going to spend a crap ton of money or you're gonna get it right yeah
0: man T- queuing up real to real tape oh that is i mean <laughs> I mean, even queuing up a vinyl re- like I, I i when i went to radio school i had to learn to queue up vinyl records which you would figure is just you throw the record on you throw the needle down boom you're done but no there's those couple seconds of silences of silence that you yeah. got to like accurately move that needle to the right exact point that way when you hit play it doesn't ramp up. It just starts right on, you yep. uh, on command. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's super, super interesting. Um, in the last few months, I've joined a collective of Instagram people um, that are all music appreciators. And a lot of them are DJs, radio DJs, those kind of things. And I've learned a lot about some of that in the last few months. It's super, deeper interesting. And looks it is its yeah. own skill you know so maybe in the and the time that you were learning how to do all of that i was playing in my bedroom pretending that um the girl that i liked was really into me or something.
0: yeah well i was trying to learn how to uh cue up music and sound cool on the radio so i could get girls to like me too uh we ju- same yeah. <laughs> same end results just different methods
1: <laughs> i uh i i'm glad that um somehow when i started to give up the idea that oh this is gonna do it for me um that's when the universe and in, uh, introduced me to Danielle. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of it, to go back to the conversation you and Danielle. So, the uh, let's talk about the trip because I mean, the day comes. Yeah. You, you your bags are packed. You're at the airport. You're going out. What was the uh, What was the first destination? And and how did it go? Yeah.
1: Because I mean, you know um, you can plan. You can put t- all the planning budget.
0: into place. And sometimes yeah. it just. All is for naught, or it works out perfectly. Who knows?
1: What yeah. You? Are are we going destination by destination, or do you want me to give you the like full trip kind of? I can I can kind of condense it down to like a couple of minutes too. You?
0: Whichever you you prefer. Uh I know we're on a time crunch, <laughs> so if you don't want to, we, we we don't have to do every minute detail. Like if there's a you know, like a good story there, you can give me the, give me the give me half give me half and half give me half full story half synopsis. How's that sound?
1: Sure. So the give me the highlights. I'll, I'm gonna try to. I'm going to I'm going to try to um frame this like a college uh application <laughs> letter. So <laughs> I will begin to say say that uh this was a life-changing experience. Uh, anyways, um no, I feel like um the thing that happened was we so what happened? Let me hold on. Sorry, now I got I distracted myself by trying to do a bit that didn't wasn't very good in general (laughs) and i was like oh that's not a very oh." i'm not editing any of this part out (laughs) (laughs) yeah good good well i I started judging myself for like trying to do a bit before and i'm like now i'm just trying to improvise a bit i didn't mean
0: to set you up for
1: (laughs) yeah 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 so um yeah so what happened we um we left Boston, flew to LA and stayed overnight um in LA with a friend who um kind of bailed us out last minute. We were going to stay with a different friend and that friend fell through. So shout out to Patrick, thank you Patrick for letting us uh crash with you. See, first then, first day on um, the trip
0: something already went wrong and you had to make alternate plans.
1: Yeah, it was like it was like the week of we like made plans to stay with someone and that kind of fell through. Um and so um before we left we kind of um we got really good advice from our friend Amy that was that she said she looked us right in the face and grabbed grabbed us both by the shoulders We're standing next to each other and she goes this is supposed to be hard like there are going to be parts of this that are just going to be difficult and like terrible and frustrating with each other and with everything going on around you like and that's part of it and I hope you can enjoy all of that and we were like Hmm, good advice, Amy, <laughs> thanks. So I think like we as things started to go downhill or whenever things did, we were like, mm, well, this is part of it. Like what are we gonna do? You know. So yeah, we stayed overnight in LA and then took another flight uh, early the next morning um, to Hawaii and we foolishly booked a- another flight straight out of Hawaii a few hours later um to Auckland New Zealand and that was our real first destination and once we landed in Hawaii we were like holy shit like we really (laughs) should have planned this better we should have allowed (laughs) more
0: time in this paradise
1: yeah yeah um because even flying into Hawaii you're just like holy crap this is gorgeous so yeah um we landed in auckland and uh it was pretty late at night at that point we went to a hostel we got took a, a like hired somebody to drive us to a hostel in downtown auckland and within the first 3 days of staying there um my bed that i was in in the hostel had bed bugs oh
0: jesus christ
1: yeah and uh it was it's kind of funny now but it really sucked like I actually still have a couple of scars on my arms and my legs from where I got bit by bed bugs um, that are just brown spots now on my skin oh, Wow. Um, because they got me so bad that like I couldn't stop itching them and I tried and everything anyways um, it was really funny because when we got to the hostel it was probably about 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning so there were only two beds left we were staying in like a three or four bunk bedroom mm-hmm. room and there were, so there are only two beds we- left. So I asked Danielle like, which bed do you want I'm whispering to her? And she's like, I want the bottom bunk over there. I was like, okay, fine, I'll take the top one. And had we not <laughs> made that decision, she would have gotten bed bugs. And that's like one of her major traumas. She got them when she was living in New York and she really doesn't like bugs. So if she if we had chosen different beds, Just at two in the morning, not really thinking about it, we probably would have flown home like within the next week, just because, like, that's how traumatic it is for her. So when I got them, I was actually like kind of grateful, even though it was really inconvenient and frustrating. But I was kind of grateful because it was like, oh, well, at least it didn't happen to Danielle and we're like, we're going to be okay, you know? But then it became a really big deal where we left the hostel after realizing that I got bed bugs. The hostel thankfully provided us coins to wash all of our clothes, clean our bags, and like gave us an insecticide to spray our bags down with and everything. So we did everything we could to prevent them from staying on our clothes, staying on our things. And we went to an Airbnb and um, we were just terrified. Like, oh, geez, what if we still have them? Like, what if I have more bites tomorrow? What if Danielle has bites? Thankfully, we got rid of them. I don't know how or like we just... Did all the things you're supposed to do wash everything with really hot water dry everything on really high dryer setting so that seemed to work um but that was within the first couple of days of arriving in auckland <laughs>
0: and how long were you guys planning on staying in new zealand
1: so for we were going to go to new zealand and australia and those are going to be the two most expensive parts of our trip so we were planning to stay in hostels the whole time as a way to be able yeah. to afford to yeah, to save money and to afford to then do more things because we are both like, well, if we're traveling, we're probably going to be out and about most of the time, right? So, if we're out and about most of the time, all we really need is a place to crash and then like lock up our things, right? So that's what our original plan was. But then after we got bed bugs, um, our plan changed to all Airbnb's all the time <laughs> yeah because at least there's some
0: um, more accountability because they are an organization a company that if something goes awry like bed bugs you're i mean yeah it's nice that the hostel gave you quarters to do your laundry but that is a lot you know that at least you still had to pay for the night uh and ugh.
1: yeah so yeah i mean the airbnb yep. thing uh Yeah. So we stayed in the Airbnbs where it was just like they've got an extra room and they're renting out. Um, And it ended up being actually really kind of nice because um, when we were we ended up staying mostly in people's houses while they were still living there. And it got was a great way to meet people who just lived there um, and talk to them about what things are like for them and what they think the landscape is like, uh, you know, socially, politically, uh, economically, all those things. And, um, I'm really grateful that we, that ended up happening that way because I still think about some of the people we stayed with, um, you know, and just like, oh man, I wonder how Richard in Wellington is doing right now. And I can send him an email and say like, Hey dude, like I was just thinking about you and hope you're doing well. You know, I wouldn't say we're friends. Right. But yeah. And and, sometimes that's, that's the fun of
0: traveling is meeting people you know you never would have met had you not gone where you went. So um, totally. So you, totally. you you got through the bed bug disaster. Uh, you're, you're touring around Australia, uh, New Zealand, Australia. Was where where were you guys when COVID hit?
1: So the I'll fast forward a bit here. So we went go through New Zealand. We go see Hobbiton. We see some really. We only went to the North Island, of New Zealand. Then we went to Australia and stayed in Adelaide for a little while. Um, and we did this thing called trusted house sitters, which if you haven't heard of, you should Google. It's really nice. Um, it's a great way. You literally just watch people's pets and then they give you a place to stay while they're out oh, of town. Nice. So you know you go on vacation and then you take care of their pets and um, and so you, yeah, so it's really great. Um, and it's free. You just have to pay like an annual membership, but then you don't they don't pay you. you don't pay them anything. So we did some house sits for people. And then, so that was in Australia. Um, Then we went to Bali because when we were in New Zealand and Australia, um, multiple people recommended we go to Bali and that wasn't originally on our list, but because so many people had recommended it, um, Bali is the equivalent of going to, if you're from Australia or New Zealand, going to Bali is the equivalent of like going to Mexico or something like that, where it's just like, everything's a lot cheaper. Um and you can kind of ball on a budget in Bali, and it's not um, inconvenient
0: to get to if you're already in the you know that continent.
1: Yeah, it's a couple hour flight. It's you know two or three hours oh, maybe. Cool. See, so, and of course,
0: why not improvise the trip because everything you planned already went to shit. The worst thing that could yeah. happen by improvising parts of your trip is everything goes to shit.
1: Yeah, so we you know looked it up and all that stuff and went to Bali, and um that was super super cool to see. Um, Bali is such a weird place in terms of like culturally it's uh, in Indonesia obviously it's located in Indonesia but it's the only um, island in Indonesia that is somewhat secular um, and the rest of it is actually kind of like dangerous and kind of weird but Bali is like this kind of haven uh, based in tourism. Um, So we went to Bali, then we were going to go to Cambodia, Thailand, and Vietnam, but the COVID-19 outbreak started happening while we were just about to leave Australia and go to Bali. So we started modifying our trip, and that's when we got to making a decision like, okay, well, things are really kind of bad in Southeast Asia. So we had another house sit in Singapore already scheduled. So we went to Singapore after Bali and stayed there for maybe five days or something like that. And then we took a flight to Mumbai in India because at that point then the outbreak hadn't really reached India and India was on my list of places I wanted to see. And we figured, well, if we can get west of it and then fly over the Middle East and get into Europe, like maybe we'll be okay. Kind
0: of Let looking. me ask you this uh, while you guys are traveling. Cause I mean, I'm here in the States. I don't really particularly pay close attention to the news. Um, I don't work in news anymore. Sorry. I, so I don't know what's going on. You and Danielle right. are strangers in a strange country. You don't know the language. Internet connectivity is spotty at best. How are you guys finding out about the, co- the cr- spread of the coronavirus and how things were, I mean, you were, pretty much close to the uh, you know as close to the epicenter of the beginning of this whole thing as one could be where were you getting your information yeah. from and uh, to make these decisions on where you should go and what you should be worried about
1: yeah so a lot of it was based on actually just using the internet um you know in all of the places that we went they were relatively touristy locations okay. um so and we all were, uh, we were either staying in people's houses, like in doing trusted house sits or, um, staying in Airbnbs, you know, so literally, you know, somebody lives there and the whole thing is set up. So somebody can come and visit. So in all of those cases, our internet connection was actually really okay. fine. Um, and so that was the re- short answer is that we used the internet. <laughs> well, I mean, were you um, searching the but,
0: news to stay up on things or were you just seeing it through social media? Totally. Because I mean, most of, totally. you know, I, I don't, You know, the only reason I know that, that, you know, Trump uh, said he was going to pass a stimulus check, which he can't do, is because people posted it on Facebook. Is that where you guys were
1: seeing your information
0: about it, too? Or or are you an actual news head and you were like, I got to see what's happening in the news regardless of where I am in the world?
1: No. So I remember when it when like it first started, the news broke out of Wuhan. Mm -hmm. Um, or Wuhan. I don't know how to pronounce it actually. So I'm going (laughs) to say both and then, and and let somebody get mad at the opposite. Yeah. Well, uh, and then hopefully I got it right. And if I didn't, I'm happy to be corrected. (laughs) Once it's the news broke that it was breaking out of there. and there was a big epicenter there. Um, I saw that on Facebook that like, I saw somebody who was like, all right, here we go. Like kind of some kind of pseudo joke, like the next pandemic's coming and 2020 is going to be the year that we're like, we don't make it through. Um, And like, I saw that post on Facebook and I was like, China's kind of close to where we are. And like, we're definitely looking at going to Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia. Like, let me look at this. And uh, yeah, so then I just, we just kept an eye on it as we were going through. Uh, Information was readily available generally. Once, once like the outbreak was really confirmed, um, a lot of people... Put in a lot of effort to try to get the 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 right information out of there, at least in other countries. Um, so we started following local news then to try to keep up with uh, like what's the best recommendation. So when we were in Australia, the news really broke out that like it was really going to start um, spreading to places outside of China, and so we were like, okay, well. We still really want to go to Thailand and Vietnam, but then we saw a headline that was like via Viet- this Vietnam village is now closed its borders and there are people that are trapped and locked inside of that. So, um to make a long story short, we tried to use okay. the
0: internet. When you're seeing this thing about an outbreak and a pandemic and did you initially did you at, at first hearing about it look at each other and go, we should make a contingency plan if we have to leave or is or was it ah, this is something we should keep an eye on, but it'll probably be nothing. Was there a point where you were ever surprised at the level that it got to?
1: Yeah, um, always, basically. Um, as it kept spreading and everything, when especially when we were going to go to Singapore, we almost didn't go to Singapore because um, it had there'd been an outbreak and um, there'd been confirmed cases. But uh, we had confirmed the house sit and the people we were house sitting for were going to be traveling. Uh, like they were definitely still going. They w- they didn't cancel their travel plans. So they were like, well, we were like, well, they kind of need us too. And we want to see Singapore, like, let's go there and we'll stay safe and like keep the hand sanitizer ready and all that stuff. But I guess the most interesting part of the story is um, that we went to India. And when we got to India, that's when things really started to lock down. We were in India and basically on a Friday night, PM Modi announced that they were doing a test of a lockdown on um, Saturday night in in all the way through Sunday, um, which meant you weren't allowed to be outside of your house, like full on lockdown. And if you were caught outside of your house, you'd be arrested and those kind of things. So this is all across the country. So plenty of people in classic Modi fashion, like generic rule, no clear, ev- like no clear details about, well, what about this exception or anything like that? Just like, nope, this is the way things go now. And we were like, holy shit, okay. Um, Well, I guess it's only a test of it. And of course that test then got extended and got extended and got extended. So we had to contact the US Embassy in Mumbai. We called them using our hosts. We were at an Airbnb and so we called them using our hosts' cell phone. And said, hey, we're in this part of Goa. We eventually moved to Goa, we moved down to Goa, which is a state in India. And um, we're in this part of Goa and we don't know what's happening, but we want to at least let you know like that we're here. And then they were like, okay, well, we're potentially working on repatriation flights. Like, if we get those, would you guys want to be a part of them? We were like, I guess so. It depends on the details. And they were like, it's going to cost at least $2,000 to do that
0: for your own country to get you out of a foreign country home safe because of a pandemic they were going to charge you two thousand dollars which i guess they can't provide that for free i understand that but oh my god that to me that that that's a shell shock number was that higher than you expected lower than you expected
1: that was definitely higher than what we expected but um our budget just to be transparent our budget for the whole trip was about ten thousand dollars so that's a fifth of your budget right there We were about just shy of halfway through our budget by the time we got to India. And we were about, we were just over three months into our trip. So it kind of made like we had the money set aside to do it. And it was really just like, oh, that really sucks. But we were like, okay, well, give us the information when you get it. And like, so eventually we get an email from them that's like, hey, in two days or in this week, we're going to announce the repatriation flights. And then two days before the flight actually happens, they're like, "Okay, here's all the details. And before then, like you'd contact them and they're just like, we're working on it. We're working on it, which thankfully they were also tweeting out and saying, you know, hey, we're working on it. We're working on it.
0: Wow. Like you hear, you know, you see movies and, you know, spy films and, you know, you watch movies like Argo, which is based on a true story and stuff like that. But you never actually think in your entire life that you would ever have to contact the U.S. Embassy in case of any type of mer- like if you're traveling the worst yeah. thing a, a average person will ever have to contact us embassy is like yo dude i totally got drunk last night and lost my passport can you get me a new one
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly passport uh, losing your passport is like the worst thing you can do when you're traveling Even, good news is actually i would argue that that's probably worse than needing to take a repatriation flight through their embassy because uh losing your passport is that complicated. But, um, the, uh, yeah, the thing that happened then. So we took a 24 hour, like, um, was it 24 hours
0: for sake of ease? Yes. It was a 24 hour flight.
1: Maybe. Yeah. It might've been 12 hours. Now I don't remember, but I think it was 24 hour bus ride, not a flight, 24 hour bus ride from Goa, where we picked up a bunch of people, a bunch of Americans along the way, um, to get to Mumbai, And along the way, we're like getting stopped at checkpoints, like, who the hell are you guys? Like, you know, and these people are like, we're with the US Embassy. We're taking these people back, blah, blah, blah. We stay overnight in Mumbai at a hotel um, across the street from the embassy. The next day, we sit in the embassy for the whole day um, and just kind of rotting and watching shitty Disney movies on a shared TV screen. And, um, then that night we take a flight from mumbai to atlanta cuz that was literally there was two flights they were flying people from there was a flight going to atlanta and there was a flight going to la so you could either take you could you had your choice and then once they but got you into the states you were on your own like literally they didn't have any other contingency plans to get us anywhere else um so we booked a flight then from atlanta to jfk in new york and then drove a couple hours from JFK out to Long Island where Danielle's family had a like summer house that wasn't being used. So we quarantined there. But when we arrived, they didn't even ask us like, hey, where are you guys quarantining? You know, any of those, none of the contact tracing things that, you know, other countries had. We When we went to a museum in Singapore, they took our temperature, asked for our information, phone number, all that stuff. And then we're kept we kept they kept in contact with us in case anybody got and there was an outbreak or if we got it or anything And like that's that, early in the pandemic too that was
0: what like February
1: Yeah That yeah. was like February. We get to the US and it's literally just like all right flights arrived you're on your own like Jesus No nobody said anything, you know? <laughs> nothing to declare
0: um, yeah. and uh did you yeah. get, nothing to you have you have nowhere to declare anything nor do you have uh to check in to make sure that you're not carrying an infectious disease
1: yeah no temperature checks when we got into the u.s there was temperature checks to get on the flight to to atlanta in india there was a temperature check but once we got in the states no way
0: and so you watched it grow across the country and came home to your own country and watched how everything was so poorly handled and has been since the beginning of this basically
1: yeah it's been um i have to say that um i've many days feel embarrassed to be an american just with how poorly we're handling things and i feel like after seeing other countries and how they're handling it and not only this coronavirus response because i feel like one of the things that it's really common to do for americans to do is like when things aren't going well the next time there's a a school shooting or a mass shooting somewhere it's common where things when things aren't going well people will point to other countries and say "Well, look." at these other countries and how they're handling these situations. Which is a fair argument, but I feel like it doesn't get heard um, very often. And I feel like the thing that's more important to talk about is just like, what if the way you think about things isn't the only way of handling it? And I feel like it wasn't until I traveled that um, I really, I've always believed that generally But I've really started to try to implement that and see that in my life.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things to hear people say it all the time and then to see it happen in real time is a whole different story.
1: So I feel like one of the things that happened that really changed things for me was that when we were in Mumbai, we stayed in a part of Mumbai that was majority Muslim. And um, I didn't realize, I didn't know a lot about India, admittedly, before we left Um, I just knew that I wanted to experience it because it seemed like the culture was so different from American culture. Um, And so we're staying in this hotel that's majority Muslim and uh, in a a neighborhood that's majority Muslim and um, we're walking around and one of the things that happened was when we were walking around, Danielle was wearing a tank top that um, you could see her shoulders and, and everything. and people were staring at us as we were walking on the street and we didn't really understand why. Initially we thought it was that we were just white people because we were also the only white people in that neighborhood, um, which I think was part of it. But then um, we realized that a lot more people, I realized a lot more people were staring at her. Um, And it was because you could see so much of her skin while she was just walking around in public that, it didn't make sense and uh it didn't wasn't appropriate and at one point somebody um a guy whispered to her like hey as we walked by them and i didn't he said it softly enough that i didn't hear him and like after it happened we took two more steps and she turned around she's like did you see or hear that and i was like no what are you talking about and she's like that guy just like cat called me while we were walking by him and i was like holy shit okay um, and i'm not i'm telling this story not as a way to um incite fear in people because i feel like the other thing that happens when you go to um uh, the um, like um, an american myth is that um there's a lot to be afraid of in india um and that's not the point of this story um so i hope that's anybody that's listening that's not why I, that's not what they're taking away from this um the reason i'm telling this is because um we weren't fully aware of the cultural norms of the situation we were in. So the next time we walked out outside, Danielle had a um, a shawl over her shoulders over her tank top um, and kind of covering more of her shoulders and we got stairs still but those were definitely the kinds of stairs where people were just like, what are you white people doing here? like I don't see a lot of white people other than maybe on the television like just kind of curious looks versus, like, um, Hey, do you not realize what you're doing kind of looks? And that was really important. The other one that was really important moment was very similar to that was I was walking around once by myself kind of at night and, um, I had grown men look me in the face with some fear in their eyes. Um, and I, I didn't understand why, and they were confused and afraid. and uh, I could sense that they were afraid and they didn't say anything to me, but it was very obvious. Um, And it wasn't until like, I would walk up to one of them and be like, Hey, I'm trying to find this grocery store or like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking for, for this thing. Can you help me find it? Kind of a thing. They, they would calm down and go, Oh, you're just lost. Like, and you're looking for this. It's over here. Like, let me like, and very willing to help. And it wasn't until I saw that expression in somebody else's face that i realize, like oh i look at some minorities that way in boston sometimes even and like i caught it in myself where i'm like oh that's different that person looks different than the people that i'm used to seeing around me um maybe there's a a um a threat that is i should be perceiving and i'm not or something like that and all of that happens like really really fast right and um it wasn't until i kind of saw that in someone else's eyes that i was like oh shit that's really fucked up that i do that to other people um and i just wanted to kind of share that in the in the spirit of vulnerability i believe in the power of vulnerability and also um, to then say that like now that i know a little bit more about myself i feel like i'm i'm trying. Very, very hard to be a lot more aware of that um, as I'm interacting with other people. So, sorry, that was a big long story.
0: No, but. there's nothing wrong with it because you know what? Uh, I mean, it's so easy. We, 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 it's so easy to take what you just say and boil it down to the old cliche of "Oh, when in Rome, do as the Romans," which is where that that phrase come from. But it's more than just that. It's totally. you know, it you first you saw a first a, a firsthand account of how. Uh, uh, unknown creates fear in the eyes of somebody else. And you had the wherewithal and the self-awareness to realize that that sometimes happens to you in your daily life and how terrible you're not realizing how terrible it is to be on that other side of that. And yeah, travel. That's one of the good things about traveling, especially when you get out of the resorts and get off the beaten path and, and their tourist areas you can see what real life is and uh, what people are doing with their real lives in other places that you never have experienced with before so that's one of the great things about traveling if you do it in a way that can create that kind of of situation for you to be a part of you know for you to and i'm I'm so hard avoiding the word waking up and woke <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I, don't, I know what you're trying to say. Because if I,
0: I, I mean, it's it it really is that like you know I, I'm, I, you know I've traveled internationally a little bit myself, but I also grew up in a very diverse city. So I saw I grew up with other ethnicities, and it wasn't until I wasn't around other ethnicities that I saw how great it was to be around people of uh of of color because yeah. it was all first have, first nature have to
1: diverse me diverse group of friends. Yeah, yeah when yeah, you yeah. come
0: to Boston and you just see like. My friends come up and visit all the time from DC and from uh Baltimore and they're like, "Man, I was near the Fenway area and it's very white and very uncomfortable." <laughs> and yeah, they're white yeah. themselves. So it's like you just we all yeah. grew up in you know like I I have to you know a uh, uh, a local comedian here put out a thing was like, "Hey, why do people wear uh I'm I'm here to, you know, uh do black trivia. Why do black people uh wear their rags inside out?" I was like, "So they don't get lines on the forehead. How do people not know this?" I'm like to me, it's yeah. not even I never even thought that it was a thing. I just knew it.
1: You know, yeah. whereas yeah. other
0: people don't realize these things because they don't grow up around those. those you yeah. Know? And, and
1: I feel like um one of the things that we um the new phrase that we use now is um bias or confirmation bias or um illicit bias or implicit bias. And like bias is a big buzzword in um in a, a way as a way to bypass the idea that No, you're just like you're just racist. Like like the (laughs) like you just are, and like the culture is racist. Like, and you were born in that culture, and you are. And it's I feel like the thing. The only reason I brought that up is because um, it was the moment that I realized, like, oh, I really have a lot to learn about myself and how I interact with other people. Especially people who don't look like me, uh, and I and I admittedly I thought I was like pretty good, you know. Like I'd seen Get Out before <laughs> we left on this travel trip, and I thought like, oh damn, what a great movie, what a great commentary. Like I felt like I got the points of Get Out, and then having that experience, I'm like, oh right, but I didn't live them. Like, yeah. and I, I never have, and I never will you know, I will never live them. Um, And a part of understanding that and learning that is, um, is a good thing. And that's how I think the world can start to uh, be more like what we all want it to be.
0: Yeah. Um, And to move on back to to the thing, how did you and Danielle cope with the disappointment of having to cut this? I mean, for her, this is her live stream and it was cut short because of, you know, bat soup. Like, it was something, yeah. something so yeah. stupid as as and it, it is a very situation, a very serious uh, situation that the pandemic that we're in. But I'm going to refer to it as being something stupid because th- this shouldn't have been a thing that brought all our lives worldwide to a halt. It did.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the one thing I'll, I will say is if you look at some of the um, conversations that um I've done. I don't know if you've done. I've found this and um, not, but like some of the um, conversations that I've um, found people saying is like I, I've found that uh, Fauci was predicting some kind of pandemic um, in like the next year and a half or so, just based on what he knew about how diseases grow and change and all these other things. And like it almost seems like it was inevitable. Um, but you're totally right that it's just like. St- the I feel like the when you say stupid, it it feels like the word that comes to mind is like inconvenient, right? Yeah, but, I mean it's,
0: um, it, I mean yeah, it's inconvenient. It, it, it just you would hope the entire uh, life coming to a halt and uh, you know what what are we at, one hundred and fifty thousand deaths would be something more significant to our lives than a virus you know like the, I, that and yeah. i think that, and not Lame. to go too far into it where you know we, we create all these conspiracy theories that it's that it's man made that this is government microchipping and it's 5G and they're shrinking our penises yeah. because all we things, need sure. to find some way to explain how all of this happened cuz we can't just admit that it was just some weird disease that got out of control you know, yeah, our brains no, as exactly. humans have to put a reason and a logic behind everything because just randomness. We don't understand randomness.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, we like stories. Yeah. We definitely like stories. And so I'm going to answer your question and say that um, it was very hard to accept um, when we were when we almost stayed in India. We almost didn't take the repatriation flight um, from India and almost stayed there because it was cheaper to live day to day in India. We were comfortable. Where we were in India, there were no cases and they were closing down all the borders. So that meant that the likelihood of more cases coming into the state and or um, anybody just randomly contracting it were pretty low versus in the states by that point, you know, cases were already like this was right around the time where in Italy was like the headline news of like, oh, man, Italy is the epicenter. It's really bad and blah, blah, blah. Um, and the U S was basically just like not testing anyone. Like you couldn't get a test and there was no infrastructure around testing. And so it was one of the moments where we were like, well, things aren't very bad in India right now. Um, it looks like there is infrastructure for us to get what we need. At one point I actually got, um, I think what I think is, it was a staph infection or something like that underneath my arm um and it, while we were in india and it was really painful i con- we i contacted our host um uh, to see if he knew a, do- a local doctor he did within um uh, like 4 hours of me contacting my host i had prescription medication at our like airbnb door wow uh f- from from the doctor in india that he goes to for his kids and everything
0: you can't even get a doctor's appointment in the u.s in under four. i mean if you went to the emergency room with a staph infection you're probably not going to be seen in under four hours let alone in and out with medicine
1: yep and so he just called the guy and was like here's what's going on um and the guy was like okay it sounds like it's this um you know, let me get you a script for antibiotics, and you can go to a pharmacy and pick it up. My, our host went and picked it up for us. Like he was so incredibly gracious and kind, and um, it was just one of those things where I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like, even if things start to go south here, like we're we have access to care that's way more convenient than it would be in the states right now. And the only thing, the only reason we decided to come back and. In the I guess one of the biggest reasons is probably many tears to it. But the biggest reason we decided to come back was because we knew eventually we were going to have to, and we'd run out of money. And it was going to be easier for us to make money if we were living in the States than if we were overseas, because Danielle is a licensed therapist in Massachusetts. So, I mean, she has to practice in Massachusetts. Um, and... I, all of our, my network connections are here in Massachusetts and things. So eventually we were going to run out of money and eventually we would need to start being able to afford to live. And we, so we just were like, well, it's either this flight or maybe getting stuck here for who knows how long.
0: It's either this flight or become an expatriate.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Expat land. And, um, in, in Goa, India, there are not many Americans, A a lot of old British people. A lot of old British people. Goa is like a um, touristy beach town type of a um, part of India where a lot of British people go to vacation and shit. But um, yeah, totally that was going to be a possibility. When we got to the U.S. Embassy on our saga home to the states, um, they informed us that they weren't sending any more buses to goa from the u.s embassy in mumbai so if there are any more u.s citizens there um they're going to be stuck there until there's something else going on um until there's any kind of other contingency things lighten up the borders open up something like that um the borders just opened up between the state of goa and um the state that mumbai is in which i can't pronounce um (laughs) And I'm not going to try. Um, but uh, that border just opened. I want to say that was within the last month. So we would have been stuck in Goa until about a month ago. Um, until July. So thank. Yeah. From February to so July. Thank,
0: that's what? Five, uh, two to seven. That's five months. Five months stuck in a country where you don't speak the language, where you're not from. Yeah, it's fun and great. And there's a lot of good care. But it's also incredibly stressful to try to be there.
1: Well, yeah. And at that point we were, um, we were in this like small little village. So we were entirely dependent on our host to get anything yeah. because um, none of the businesses were open um, or the only businesses that were open were some grocery stores, but there, the supply chain got kind of cut off and it was hard for supplies to get into um, that part of Goa and that little village. And so what it ended up happening was we were, Going to restaurants when we weren't supposed to, while well, our host was going to restaurants when he was wasn't supposed to, because he knew the restaurant owner, and he would order us food. He would take our order for the day and say, "Like, what food do you want from this restaurant today?" And that's how we got a majority of our food. And then at night we would be able to go out to the um, grocery stores to try to find something else if we. Um, could, didn't want Indian food you know Um, and the grocery stores there are bodegas and at least in that village so it's not like you know an American grocery store as you know right yeah. like you know not a supermarket. you have a choice of a- which kind of apple you want <laughs> you know it's a, it's a bodega situation so it's ramen and um maybe there's box pasta and things like that which again when you're traveling and like expecting that is actually fun. It's part of the charm of it. But I have to admit that I started missing some American comforts. We only had, in our um, room, we had a a burner to be able to cook food. So there wasn't like an, we didn't have access to an oven or anything like that to make real food or it was just whatever we could cook on the stovetop. And we didn't have access to um, like machine clothes washer. So we were hand washing our clothes in the shower. And those kind of things, you know.
0: And all those things are when you're on a trip or fun little novelties and and stories to tell, but when it becomes yeah. necessity and it's the only thing you have, that becomes I don't want to use nightmare because that's a little too much, but
1: yeah, it's drastic. It's drastic. But yeah. It's it's a, it's, a, it's a huge it's a huge difference in um the comforts of life. And could we have done it 100%. 100% we would have been fine um, again everybody there like was so willing to take care of us and each other we were trapped there with a few other British people in our Airbnb and like everybody was taking care of each other hey we're going out to the grocery store do you guys need toilet paper or whatever you know like it we would have been totally totally fine but it would have been a major adjustment to what we were used to living and we decided to take the flight. And I'm, I'm glad we did. I'm glad to be here, but um, I don't know that it's that much better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's talk about now that you're back in the states, you had to cut, cut your short. Uh, you're, you're gone through quarantine, you're moving back into what your lives are in which what are anyone's lives during this right now? Um, are, are, yeah. are you Have you gone back to work? Were you able to find a new job? Did you return back to your old job? What are you doing currently?
1: So, um we stayed in Long Island for a couple of weeks um and then um her family that has that house were in Florida and they were saying like hey, it's getting to summer. We think we want to come back to Long Island like are you guys cool with clearing out of the house kind of a thing? And we were like I guess so. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> do are we allowed to say no?
1: yeah these family members are like in their 80s you know so we were like you know worst case scenario is we've got it and we're spreading it to you so like yeah i guess we're gonna go you know um so uh we did some research and found a place to rent and we i got a tour of the place via facetime with the real estate agent um and we're in framingham now um and shortly after getting here um, I applied for pandemic unemployment assistance because I'm a gig worker and um, I produce and all those things. And also I had a desk job as well. So I figured I could be eligible, had to go through the rigmarole through um, unemployment because, because I had a normal job last year, they wanted me to file for regular unemployment, get denied there. So I could be qualified for pandemic unemployment (laughs) assistance.
0: It's weird. The hoops Um, we've all had to jump through.
1: Yeah, I'm, it sounds like every gig worker that I know has kind of been through something similar. Um, I am job searching, definitely. But thankfully, pandemic unemployment assistance, we're living in a really small apartment. Not really small, but we're living in a small apartment, 650 square feet. And um, it's we're kind of on top of each other all the time. Um, and so our rent isn't as much as we were spending before we left. Danielle is starting her two businesses. Shout out to Break It Down Vocals and um, uh, Real Talk Practice. I, when when uh, I
0: edit this, I'll edit out the uh, the ums of thinking what your wife's business is called.
1: <laughs> you don't have to edit any of it. I just say <laughs> um a lot. I've, t- I've kind of come to terms <laughs> with it. She's starting her two businesses, and it's going pretty well overall. It's definitely in an upward... We're trending in an upward direction, which is great. I'm really, really happy that um, she's been able to find some clients for therapy, because I feel like that would be the hardest thing for me is, you know, obviously you have to find people that you don't know personally. Like, how do you, f- how do I find a job? I network with people that I know and say like, oh, hey, you know, do you know anybody hiring or I'm interested in this? Do you know anybody at that company or whatever? And, and as a therapist, you can't yeah, do that. You can't it go to honestly. your
0: to your friends and go, hey, do you know anyone who's mentally ill? If so, call me.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, or specifically, you know, look at a friend and go, hey, I can help you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to, to see somebody play music at an open mic. And be like, hey, you're really good. I can help you record an album. You can't walk up yeah. to somebody who's having a, 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 a mental breakdown. And be like, look, I'm here for you. And I charge twenty five dollars an hour.
1: <laughs> and I take cash or credit. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Square attached to my phone right now. If you would like to pay, but
0: you don't, have, don't have to pay until you're. You don't have to pay until you're satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So well, that's good. Um, at least she's getting her business rolling now. I mean, are you looking yeah. at like when I got fired from iHeart? I looked at I foolishly looked at that as an opportunity to be a full time freelance gig worker. Um, Mm. you know, full-time entertainer and, and do podcast recording and all these things that I've kept saying that I would want to do. And,
1: uh, you're doing it now a little bit.
0: Well, it, it it completely, well, long story short, they repossessed my car. That's basically what, (laughs) that's why I took a job back in an office doing AV tech for a law firm who has now furloughed me until the end of the year. But, um, are you looking, not to fear you off and say, don't chase your dreams, but don't chase your dreams. But are you, are you looking are, are you positively looking at this thing as like hey look if i double down right now on the amount of you know producing work that i was getting and i look for more producing clients and i and i try to do as much as i can so i don't have to go to a day job is that what the thought process is now or is it like look this is always going to be a side for lack of a better term side hustle which i hate to use that word but it came to mind yep. as i was talking I and i couldn't get it out Uh, of my head until i said it but is that where you're at it's like hey look this is what i like doing and it's great but i know it'll never be a full-time job and i'm gonna have an office job and music or is this the push for a full-time work
1: yeah um debated trying to answer the radio friendly appropriate way or the honest vulnerable way
0: that's where we are right now that's the honesty right there it's like (laughs) yeah i want to be able to do that but i don't know if i can and that's Nothing wrong with that with yeah. that ambiguity
1: in life. I feel like the, um, the thing that people don't talk about a lot that have um, made it or whatever are able to work in creative industries, most of the time, most of the people that have that, that get to a point where they're able to sustain themselves financially are backed up financially somewhere. Somewhere along the line. Whether it's just that they're they've got a landlord who is gonna let them slide on the rent for a couple of months, or they've got a family member who is going to help them pay their rent or pay their for their car payment a couple of months, or they've got some kind of safety net, usually. And the reality of my situation is that being a therapist is pretty lucrative. Lucrative, um, Therapists usually charge <laughs> about $100 an hour minimum um, to see someone, and sometimes more than that. And so my wife is actually going to be my safety net here. And I've, that was what I was trying to do. Um, I was debating on whether I should answer honestly or I should give you the radio friendly answer which is yeah i'm doubling down dennis like i'm taking it as an opportunity i'm going to work my ass off which i am doing um 100 percent um i'm also doing that i've got a business plan in place of what i need to do to ramp up doing my business and things like that, but it's going to take time to do that. And yeah, I mean, you
0: still to be able to do it full time still takes a lot of work, whether you have a safety net or not, it still takes a lot of work to do. And you know, there's no shame in being a Kent man, dude, there is.
1: (laughs) Well, so the thing, the thing I want to try to clarify, or I guess the reason I'm trying to answer vulnerably is to realize that I am incredibly privileged to um, have a partner who is willing to help me do that. And to be in a situation where we, where I feel comfortable doing that, she feels comfortable doing that. And, uh, you know, that also means that I'm trying to do more to kind of make up for the fact that, okay, if she's going to kind of be our breadwinner and I'm basically on pandemic unemployment assistance, which admittedly in the state of Massachusetts is pretty fucking good. And Massachusetts is pretty, pretty, worked out pretty good for me between now and the end of the year. If I didn't make any more income as a producer or a mixer, we would be able to afford to live based on what I'm bringing in and what Danielle's bringing in. And so I'm basically ramping up to be able to start to match and then beat that income um, as a producer and mixer. And my goal right now, short term, is I'm going to mix one song a month. And then in a couple of months, that ramps up to two songs. And I'm going to produce one song every two months. And then I'm going to just keep boosting those numbers as I go. And so that's the honest answer is that I have a safety net, which is a partner who is in a lucrative um, position. And uh, we're living in a very small apartment to try to, what's the right word for that? Make everything,
0: Um, make make what you are working for happen
1: exactly exactly
0: you know and that's great and i'm glad to hear that and i this was uh, i will love i you know i love hearing people's stories and journeys and man I, that i would love to have heard more positive stories about about the trip but i'm glad <laughs> you were able <laughs> to have experiences that affected you in but in the best possible ways so um uh, what i uh do, real quick before we get out of here um uh, if people want to hire your service as a producer and mixer and um, all the music stuff and consultant stuff like that how can people get a hold of you
1: uh the easiest way probably is just through my website uh, terrencereeves.com t e r r a n c e r e e v as in victor e s that's probably the easiest way but i'm obviously on all of the social media i'm a social media addict just like everybody else
0: and of course if somebody uh, wants either vocal lessons or needs help with themselves uh, mentally and in the Massachusetts area, how can they find Danielle's services?
1: Uh, Danielle is break it down vocals as her vocal lessons and real talk practice is her private practice. But the best thing to probably do is to, if you're looking for some mental health help, there's two websites to go to. It's psychology today or open path. Uh, Open path is a way for therapists to offer it's not pro bono services, but discounted services for people who have low or not sufficient medical insurance. Yeah. So, OpenPath.com or Psychology Today if you're looking for mental health help. Well,
0: I'm glad you're you 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 and Daniel are both safe. That you guys made it back healthy minus you know healthy minus some bed bug bites, uh, bed bugs scars, <laughs> and some staff infections. But I'm glad you're here. Uh, and I would love to say that I can't wait to see your face and have a beer with you again. And that will happen very soon. Once we're allowed to be uh, in face-to-face proximity without masks uh, or fear uh, of dying or getting or, or killing each other, I mean, we will have that beer soon. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad we got to have this talk. And tell Daniel Thanks and for hi. having me, man. Uh, take care of yourself, buddy.
1: You too. You too.